Blog Talk Radio. Happy Thursday. Happy New Year's Eve. It's New Year's Eve. It is officially the end of 2015. It is time for Raging Babe, Michelle Rosado, and Giandra LaBeouf of BadCulture.net. It's time for us to present our 2015 Boxing Awards. I know. I know you're excited. I know. You're excited. I, know, I, know, I, know. I know. You've been waiting for this. I know you're tired of the this the same old. How I many? How I many? Be honest. If you're listening to this show, you're probably a boxing aficionado of some sort, and you're so tired of seeing insert website here official boxing awards of the year. Well, these are the real awards. These are the awards you want to hear. These are the the awards you think about, but you can't really put them into words. So we are here to present these awards to some very, very worthy recipients. And I guarantee they are not the awards you are expecting. But we do have a few traditional categories because we can't be just blatantly crazy. So we will recognize (laughs) some industry standards like fighter of the year, prospect of the year, trainer of the year. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to get all those. But trust me, you'll like our award better. Maybe in the coming years we'll have an actual trophy with, like, me and Michelle on it. And, you know, like, we'll send it out to people. And, you know, it'll be a little golden statue. It'll be like the BCRB, the, the Bad Raging Culture Babe fighter of the year award you know you never know the wba can sanction all these belts and damn it we can have our own boxing awards i think it's you know i i'm, I'm okay with it so there it is before we get into all these fantastic categories that we have planned for you today let me bring on the co-host of today's official boxing awards fresh broadcasting live in her evening gown as am i because you know we dressed for the occasion i'm wearing sequins I'm sure Michelle is wearing something spectacular and sex in the city. The beautiful Michelle Rosado. Welcome Thank to the you. show, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm wearing a tutu with my Manolo Blahniks today. I am ready for the award show. But listen, me and Giander worked all week on putting together some of the most unique and some of the best and worst Boxing Awards of 2015. Um, like she was saying, we have some traditional ones, Fighter of the Year, Knockout of the Year, Trainer of the Year, blah, blah, blah. Um, but there was so much more that happened in boxing this year that we want to remember, that we want to acknowledge, um, and just really have some fun with it. You know, we want to bring in the new year with a bang, and uh, hopefully 2016 will be just as fun for us. I think so. I think so. I think they will look at 2015. You know, some people stood out in 2015. Some people fell way short in 2015. You know, we saw a lot of changes in how boxing operates. We saw divides further between promotional factions. We saw some come back together. You know, it was a lot going on in 2015. And we hope that our list really captures the essence of the true boxing fan, the casual boxing fan, and the funny boxing fan. Because, I mean, if you look back at this year in boxing, you had to have a sense of humor about some of this shit. Because if you, you really didn't, you'd did. cry. 
Yeah. I mean, you and, know, and, it was just so ridiculous. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, boxing is a serious enough sport. You know, these guys are risking their lives, and there's so much business behind the scenes that is so serious. And as a fan or as somebody in the industry, you still have to learn how to have some fun with it. You know, and so that's what we wanted to do today was to bring a little bit of the humor and have fun with some things that happened this year. Absolutely, absolutely. So with that, we will present our first award. We call it, but the t- the first award is the It's Odd But It Worked, I guess, Ring Walk of 2015. This category will recognize some, you know, non-traditional ring walks that we saw this year. You know, it was kind of weird. It was kind of hokey, but hell, it worked. It did what it needed to do. They got their ass to the ring. So the nominees of this year's It's Odd But I Guess It Worked Ring Walk are Miguel Cotto. In the Miguel Cotto versus Canelo Alvarez fight, Miguel traditionally doesn't walk in with music. But this year, he took it a step further and said, damn you guys, I'm going to wear my earphones on top of that. So there's going to be some ring walk music, just you won't hear it. So the first nominee is <laughs> Miguel Cotto. Yeah, uh, the second Okay, I thought we were going to touch on that one a little bit before we announced the winner. But we were oh, both in Las Vegas for that uh, Cotto Canelo fight. I was actually in the arena, and I was sitting with Jackie Callen, and we were so confused, like, what's going on? And then when they put him up on the big screen and he was wearing his Dre by Dre headphones, I lost it. I almost fell out my chair. I said, Miguel's fucking crazy. It was, it was so funny. I mean, if he was getting his wepa on, his wepa was going on inside his own head because Miguel <laughs> Soto doesn't share his wepa with anybody. So, sure. sorry. He's not sharing his wepa with none of you. So, damn you. Miguel Cotto doesn't share his wepa. Other nominees include Peter Quillen. Peter Quillen in the Danny Jacobs fight walked into Justin Bieber and not the Justin Bieber that's been played on your radio recently, though. What do you mean? Not that Justin Bieber. He walked into Justin Bieber's I'll Show You. I, 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 you know, I'm going to just leave that one right there. Against Danny Jacobs in Brooklyn, New York, you come Brooklyn. out to a slow Justin Bieber song. Again, speechless. Canadian. At least if you're going to go Canada, at least go Drake. You know, I'm saying, Justin Bieber, wow. wow. But, I mean, I'll show you. Hey, yeah, we, you showed us. So, he didn't Peter Quillen, not a damn thing. He showed us that he lost quickly. That was a quick card. It was like the network called and said, pull a plug on this shit quickly. So, yeah, that's what he showed us. It was more like an interlude. The, hell, the ring walk was longer than the fight. And, finally, our final nominee is... PBC as an entity for the Hans Zimmer Orchestra music. Okay, look, mm. you know, I'm 40 years old. I'm not a youngster. I remember watching the Olympics and all the pomp and circumstance of the orchestra and, the, you know, the full on doom, 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 doom with all the drama. Did it work for these fights? Mm, I don't know enough that I necessarily need all that Hans Zimmer you know, when the fighters walk to the ring, you know, on a commercial or two, like on a Lifetime, if you want to promote PBC on Lifetime or one of these channels, yeah, put the Hans Zimmer on so you can get, you know, Gertrude Steinbrenner from 
Terre Haute, Indiana to go, ooh, I like this music. Maybe I'll watch. But, you know, Jamal Jackson from the Boogie Down Bronx don't want to hear no damn Hans Zimmer when he's watching the fight. You know, what do you think of the Hans Zimmer I, you know. I was actually I was actually at the first PBC card in March in Las Vegas. It was Berner Molina, and it was the most weirdest feeling as a boxing person, a boxing fan, media, whatever you want to call yourself. You know, it get where Al Heyman and PBC were going with it. They wanted it to be like this gladiator feel, but boxing has such rich tradition traditions with certain things, like ring walks. You know, that, that's a fighter's identity. He, that's what's going to pump him up. That's what gets him going. And obviously, not only did it not go over well with the fans, the crowd, but the fighters didn't like it either. All of a sudden, the fighters started saying, fuck, man, we want to come out to our own music. We want to come out and be who we are. And then shortly after that, you know, they, they scratched the hand Zimmer music and they let the fighters now come back out to their own music, their own style, their own swag. Um, so obviously it didn't work. It didn't go over well. You know, was it a good idea? Yeah, probably not. But they spent thousands and thousands of dollars to get this composed music for nothing. <laughs> for, for nothing. For absolutely nothing. It was kind of like putting perfume on dirty clothes. And the winner is... Miguel Cotto for the Musicless Headphone Ring Walk. Thank you, Miguel Cotto. We will send you an Amazon coupon. In the so let us move on to our second category, Mismatch of the Year. You know, there were a lot of them. There were a lot of them. And they weren't just on PBC. There were a lot of them. I know you guys, you know, we got the, you know, it's a very clear divide with the mismatches of the year. But, you know, hey, uh, Michelle, if you will, with the nominees, please. Yeah, so we have a, we have two mismatches of the year that really stood out. And I'm sure we could probably name five or six of them throughout the year. Um, our first nominee <laughs> was Peter Quillen versus Michael Zarafa. So Peter Quillen was the former champion. Mike Zarafa was like an Australian stripper or something. And he had been an actor for like a year. And he was a Chippendale host, dancer. You know, it was really embarrassing. It was probably just as bad as Danny Garcia versus Rod Stalka. It was that bad. Um, Terrible. Yeah. So you remember that one. And you, you actually said, you know, when he went down, go ahead, Jay, when he went down, you didn't know whether to call 911 or get your money out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, he hit that canvas and I said, ooh, he's on the ground. Is he going to snatch his pants off? I don't know whether to get my money out or jump in and say, ooh. So, you know, when a stripper hits the ground, I don't know if he's going to spread eagle or what. I did have one that night, but I know, you know, hey, Sometimes you, when you see strippers, you got to take your money out. I bet you his spread eagle wasn't the same after that fight. So we have those. And the winner is. Yeah, well, oh, the- we didn't say our other one. We, our other one was Victor Ortiz versus uh, Gilberto Sanchez Leon, which was just a few weeks ago. And Sanchez Four. Leon, I believe, was ranked like number 400 and like 97 or something crazy like that, and it was just really sad. It was really lazy that 
They couldn't get Victor Ortiz, a better opponent. I know it was probably last minute, but they were better off just going outside on the street corner and, like, picking off somebody off the block. So those are right. our two top nominees, Peter Quillen versus Michael Jarafa and Victor Ortiz versus Gilberto Sanchez-Leon. And the winner is, Deandra? The winner is... Peter Quillen versus Zarafa. Don't fight no strippers. 177,000 people reside within the Al Heyman stable. That's the best you could come up with, an Australian stripper. You know, maybe you might want to procure his services to, you know, for date night. You know, he got a baby. You know, maybe they want to keep that spark alive over there in Brooklyn or Miami or wherever he's living now. But, you know, contact Zarafa for that. You don't need him in the ring with you, so... Peter Quillen, um, you get a box of turtle wax. We will send that into the mail. We will send that in the mail for you next week. Congratulations on your award. Congratulations. Let us congratulate. I mean, you know, hey, well earned. Let us now move on to the most memorable post-fight interview of 2015. Now, we had some interesting post-fight interviews, although they've been seriously depreciated with the abundance of PBC programming that we see now. So they usually cut them or they tell them, you know, you better not trip. Thank Al Heyman, get your ass out the ring. And that's what it is. But there were some good ones that slipped through the cracks in 2015. The first nominee is Julio Cesar Chavez in the post-fight interview with Jim Gray for telling him that he won the fight against Fonfara. I am going to try to play this audio. I for, please forgive me if it's really quiet, but I'm going to do my best to play it for you. He told Jim Gray, I won the fight. I think I won the fight. Jim Gray looked at him like he lost his damn mind. That is the best. That, to me, supersedes Larry Merchant's look when Floyd told him he was going to kick his ass in the ring. So, you know, that was a great one for me. Uh, the second nominee. Yeah, another great moment. I was going to go into the second one. Another great moment, Jay, was uh, after Tyson Fury beat Klitschko and he started, he went into a song by Aerosmith. That was oh. epic. I mean, he shut it down. That had to be one of the most memorable moments this year after a fight. And I, so, and for those of you who are on Twitter, and I'm going to tag Michelle in the tweet, I have that that performance just in case you want to uh, take it in for yourself. Boy, that Tyson Fury is a character. And he said after he defeated Vladimir Klitschko that this song was for his lady, and what's even funnier is Vlad was in the ring for the entire thing. I'm surprised he didn't, he didn't, brother didn't tag in and kick Tyson Fury's ass. That's some disrespect. Oh, man. That's like me going to Compton and doing like a sea walk all through Compton. That was just horrible. Vladimir, I mean, Tyson Fury doesn't give a damn. He, he was going to no. sing his Aerosmith. That was great. So those are our two most memorable moments. So, Giandra, go ahead and announce the winner.
Of course, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. for thinking he won the fight. I interviewed. I was at that fight. And if you listen to the show or follow me on Twitter, you know I'm not that keen on Chavez Jr. That Sunfara interview was lit. That post-fight press conference was lit. I wish they would have streamed it. Congratulations, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. We will send you a coupon to Hometown Buffet for you to enjoy after this show. So congratulations. Congratulations on your win. And congratulations on your meal because I saw a picture floating around and he looked easily about a good two two oh five, I'd say. I was gonna say two ten. Yesterday he looked about he's he's two ten. Yeah, he's been eating good, so he'll enjoy the yeah. shit out of that home buffet coupon. You know, leave some food for some other people. Um, you know, let's move on. Michelle, why don't you take the lead on this one as we begin our, our social media category? Okay. So social media con- continues to change how we do business every day, whether you're a fighter, a promoter, a media member, a fan. So there was just some people in the boxing community this year that just gave us the most interactive, controversial social media accounts that you hate it to follow them, but you loved it. It was like it, it, you just couldn't take your eyes off of them. You had to watch them for numerous of reasons. Um, so our, nom- our nominees for the most interactive social media accounts this year were Sugar Shane Mosley, which a.k.a. his girlfriend, I believe, is his ghostwriter, but whether they were making up or breaking up or he was calling out fighters or slamming somebody, you just couldn't help but watch his social media account. Yeah. Uh, our, yeah. Our, second, our second nominee was Paulie Malinaji. He's always outspoken. He went into it a few times this year with Gabe Montoya regarding drug testing and you know, he was really hard on Manny Pacquiao this year, especially around the Floyd Mayweather fight with accusing him of being a dopehead and everything. I mean, Paulie, he's on another level. Main hard. event had a stellar year on social media this year. Uh, we don't know if it's Tati Duva, if it's Nicole Duva, is it is it Aline, uh, or I'm sorry, Ellen tweeting. You, you don't really know who it is tweeting from the account, but they will check you real quick. Real quick. Real quick. Real, real quick. Shoot. I mean, you know, I, you know, every time I see a main event tweet in yeah. my in my timeline, I feel like, you know, I'm going to... Lord have mercy, Father, help us all. Yeah. Since you supplied your phone number, I can't help but call. Time for action, conversation, we relax. I mean, damn, they might have Tupac's hologram over there tweeting them. They ether so hard at any given time. Other promoters, executives... Fans, they have no chill over at main events. I like it. You know, you can only take so much before you start pop, 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 before you fire back. So kudos to main uh, events our, for that. Yeah, our other um, nominees were Steven Espinosa from Showtime. He's another one that, my goodness, he gets on there and, <laughs> you know, he'll try to make you feel stupid. He will find a way to say things that, again, you can't help but watch him. Um, He's very, very careful in how he words things. You know, he's a lawyer, so he's really good at wordplay, and he's very, very sarcastic, so you can't help but laugh at it. And then the last one Mm -hmm. is Shannon Briggs with his Let's Go (laughs) Champ. 
If you can make it through a day without hearing Let's Go Champ or reading Let's Go Champ somewhere in your social media, then you ain't on social media, at least not boxing social media, because it's going to be a Let's Go Champ somewhere in your social media. So with that, let (laughs) us announce our winner. Yep, go ahead. And the winner is Sugar Shane Mosley. And I'm going to tell you why Sugar Shane. Sugar Shane said a lot of shit this, this year on social media. But the one that really made me cock cock was when a fan asked him, if you could change your, your alias to something other than Sugar, what would you change it to now? This fool said, I would change it to Shane Suck My Dick Mosley. I said, oh. he is so ignorant. I could not help but laugh because that is just some ignorance on another level. Can you imagine like Bernard changed his name to the alien coming to the ring at 154 pounds? Shane, suck my dick, Mosley. What What the fuck? Are you kidding me right now? Wait a minute. When did he say that to you, Jay? He didn't say it to me, but a fan oh. asked him, and he, he was, like, taking fan questions, and he and they asked him, you know, if you could change your alias to anything other than Sugar, what would you change it to now since you're making your comeback? And he said, I would change it to sh- to Shane Suck My Dick Mosley. I said, yes, Lord. <laughs> yes, Lord, Shane. Okay. They got him on the right day. So k- kudos to Shane. We are going to get Shane um, some dental dams and some condoms, I guess, since he's trying to whip it all out for us. You know, we got to be safe out in these streets. You know, he likes to change his girls up like 3-0 dubs. So, you know, be safe in these in these streets if you encounter Sugar Shane Mosley in the streets. So kudos to him. We'll get that. I'm going to call Planned Parenthood and see if I can, you know, care package him something because condoms are expensive. So... Let us move on. Continuing with our trend in social media. Social media is a gift and a curse. You know, Shane Suck My Dick Mosley is pretty funny. But then you have some people in social media who mm, sometimes you got to just put the key, you know, Twitter fingers turning, you know, trigger figure, you know, whatever. So we call this category your social media performance is just as bad as your ring performance. And the nominees are... Devin Alexander for the asshole stretching monologue. If you were on Twitter that day when Devin Alexander went in on the gay community, you know, I can respect everybody has different viewpoints. You know, I'm not here to tell you what to believe in, but get your facts right. When he went on that tirade about people's asshole stretching and not being able to stretch back to where they needed, what the fuck? What are you talking about? And that was a fine, fine day in Twitter trolling because that shit was amazing. I think. But Devin, what Devin Alexander and the asshole machine monologues? What are your thoughts, Michelle? Yeah, that was around the time that I think they might have legalized gay marriage somewhere this year, and mm-hmm. he just went on. He went on a rampage about it's not godly and, you know, if you have sex with someone in their butt, then it stretches. You know, look, he went so overboard with it. I mean, it was 
it was really funny, but it was like, yo, bro, like somebody at PBC should have put the leash on him and shut that right. down. But at the time, he wasn't really being considered a PBC fighter, so they kind of let him go. Uh, my nominee, let's go on to the next one, was Adrian Broner uh, because oh, he is God. just silly as hell, and he does not care who thinks they're going to run his social media. He's going to do it himself, which I love that about him. But, you know, he'll put stuff about guns up there. He's tweeting when he's drunk. He got, you know, he's in a strip club throwing up thousands of dollars. I, I mean, you just love to hate to watch his social media. Who's the third nominee, Jay? And our final nominee, and it gives me great pleasure to say it, is once again, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. for Show Me the Money, just not with Al Heyman's name on it. This <laughs> fool must have been watching like some old 24 sevens or, you know, some Mayweather TV videos. I don't know. Maybe it was part of his indoctr- indoctrination package when he got signed to Al Heyman. This fool put up the pictures of the checks after the fun far fight, the fight he supposedly won. And then he said, I don't care if I lost, look at my money. Yeah. But you can't put the checks up if they say Heyman boxing. Cause remember, he's not your promoter. He's your manager. Don't put the checks up fool. At least, redact the information now you can show us the amounts if you want to be flossy but you know take the you know who wrote you the check picture if you are unsure but that picture sure got snatched down boxing fanatic screenshot of that shit because i had this long and hard for that picture was the only people that i had it up so shout out and so let's announce our winner hey 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 Winner is Devin Alexander for yeah sorry you were breaking up there for a while but our winner is Devin Alexander for the asshole stretching monologue congratulations Devin Alexander yes congratulations we are going to send some alum to you if you don't know what alum is and I'm probably dating myself by saying that when you used to watch the old school cartoons and they would give Bugs Bunny or one of them the alum and their mouth would shrink up and they couldn't talk. We gonna send him that so he can insert it into his asshole and test his stretching theory out. So shout out to Devin Alexander. We will send you some alum in the mail. Enjoy. Um, let's see. Wow, we coming up on twelve thirty already. Um, so yeah. Oh, we could do this category. Yeah. You know, I'm all for you know a little creativity, but with boxing. Less is more, and sometimes you don't necessarily need to reinvent the wheel. Make sure the ring is assembled properly. Make sure the fighters have signed all their documents. Make sure everybody's healthy, commissioner, you know, all the stuff we need. We will call this category, the WBA would sanction this performance if they could. This is a non-boxing award for the worst performance at a fight. But we know the WBA would sanction it if they could, as long as they can get a check. The nominees are Yandel's performance at Cotto versus Canelo. That, oh, God. That shit, that shit was so horrible on so many different levels. I mean, the performance itself was weak, but what was even more disturbing to me, you Puerto Rican, at least put some, some mommies in the, in the background dancing with some ass. I, you mean to tell me on the island you couldn't find no sisters? You know, no, no, no Boricuas who could get on the stage and pop it like a real G4. What the hell were these background dancers? 
I I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, you well, you're, you're Puerto Rican. Deandra, we so we were there. Um, there's a little background noise where you're at. You might want to check that out. But listen, we were we were there. We were actually okay. in the arena. They had these huge bombs going off during the performance that were literally scaring everybody inside of the damn venue. When I tell you, my heart almost popped out of my chest. Jackie Callen almost fell out of her chair twice. It was that scary, with, especially with everything going on in the world today, with the bombings and the shootings and, you know, the situation in Paris had just happened. We were literally terrified in there. You had, like, 16,000 people, and they're terrified of that performance because of the loud bombs that they – it was awful. It was just flat-out awful. Rock Nation, you don't have to do this. We don't need to do concerts during boxing. Okay, second nominee, Giandra, go ahead. Second nominee is a perennial favorite. Not many people saw it, but thank you, social media. Roy Jones Jr. Or after defeating Eric Wat- Eric Watkins, he pulled out the mic and told folks to buy his album. I didn't know Roy had a new album. Is he referring to the old album? Yeah, you must have found it. But damn, Roy is serious about continuing to fight, and he is serious about continuing to rap. On a side note, unrelated to our award, if you ever want to see something funny, go to YouTube and find a video of Fat Joe telling the story about the time that Roy Jones Jr. wanted to kick his ass when the song Lean Back came out. That is some fine viewing if you want to laugh today. So, Roy, you are our second nominee. And, Michelle, you're the third nominee, please. Was the fabulous, no pun intended, performance during the break in action at the throne boxing card held by Rock Nation in New York. They literally had Fabulous go in the middle of the boxing ring, the rapper Fabulous, with this big chinchilla fur hat and coat on. He looked <laughs> a mess. And I, I guess he was rapping one of his new songs that maybe a lot of people didn't even know of at the time, but it was so embarrassing. I was cringing at my TV watching it, and I was just like, I felt so bad for boxing that day because, you know, whoever didn't watch boxing before and that was their first time tuning in probably never tuned in again. So that that was another, you know, worst performance in boxing moment this year. Yep, but they probably could get it. And the winner is... Man, they were all so whack. I mean, we could give a winner to, to, to all of those. But we will give the winner to Yandel. A, for the performance. B, for the bombs. C, for the lack of Puerto Ricans. So, you know, he gets all of those. Congratulations, Yandel. You get – we will send you some YouTube videos of some Boricuas popping it and um, some salsa albums. So we will put those in the mail. No, we're not even sending whole albums. We will send you um, some MP3 downloads. So congratulations, Yandel. Check your email. You'll be receiving that award from us. Hey, Deandra. Hey, so I just get a text from Red. Red is a, is a good friend of ours on the show. He trains with uh, Team Crawford, or should I say he, he trains Bud Crawford. And uh, he said, hey, that chinchilla was fly, yo. And so it's really funny because, yeah, the chinchilla was fly, and it probably cost like five fifty thousand dollars but it was just inappropriate. 
I mean, he didn't give, I mean, the chinchilla, I'm not hating on the chinchilla because the chinchilla was fly. PETA, don't send me no messages on Twitter. The chinchilla was fly. I'm not going kill, to kill the chinchilla, but I do recognize the flyness of the chinchilla. But if you want to wear all that chinchilla in the ring, give me some, some zest. Give me some performance. Fabulous walked around in there like he was waiting for them to call his number for his chicken teriyaki in the food court. He gave us no <laughs> entertainment. He just kind of paced back and forth like, where my money at? Where my money at? Where my money at? You know, the coat was and the hat was flyer than everything he did that day. And I like Fab. Fab is dope. But yeah, nah, nah, Fab, if you're going to work in a boxing ring, maybe they should have taken the ropes down so we could see him. He ain't the tallest brother. And it just looked like some kid who was walking around in the ring. Like It was like they said, hey, Fab. Walk around the ring and make sure it's level for us. You know, let's just make sure it's not shaky. Just walk around. Well, okay. Yo, cool. Well, I let's got be real. Got Fat, let's, Giandra, let's, let's just be real and we can move on. Fab did not even have a good time doing it. You could tell in his whole, in his body language, his whole demeanor, that he felt like a damn idiot rapping inside of a boxing ring. It was awkward. It was wrong. But it still didn't take the cake because what Yendel did, in Las Vegas during Cota Camillo was just mm. on another level of disrespectful and everything else. So anyway, moving on. Do we have our first caller, by the way? Do you see him in the no. queue? You know, uh, we got a 602 in the queue, a 602 in the queue. That Let's might, pick up this that, call. That, no, 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 that might be Turtle. Okay, then I'm not going to pick up Turtle. No, I'm looking at that. the time, and we haven't um, – had our first caller yet. I thought our first caller would be calling from the 323, and I haven't seen that number um, pop up for us yet. So we will, um, if you could, please, if you could get word to our man um, so we can get him to yep. call. In. Okay. So, well, so we will skip over that category, and let's, oh, this is a good one, um, Michelle, and I'm going to let you take this one. This is our nominee for the worst year ever sometime in boxing your next move oh. is not your best move then kate you know sometimes you don't always have that voice of reason to to rein you back in and this person michelle take it away okay our worst boxing person business man of the year there was no other nominees there was only one no it's not ricky <laughs> hatton it is demetrius <laughs> Andrade from Rhode Island. My goodness, if he was not the worst boxing businessman of the year, then I don't know who else was. We literally did not have any other nominees because it was not even necessary because he is the clear win winner. Demetrius started um, making bad business moves at the end of 2014, actually. Everybody remembers he was supposed to fight one of the Charlos. And all of a sudden, he backed out of the fight. Now, Showtime had already started creating posters, billboards. They put it on the Showtime commercial. They were already investing money into this fight because it seemed to have been a done deal. So when he backed out of it, which would have been a career-high payday for him, everybody was mm -hmm. lost in the sauce. You know, why did he pull out? What's going on? Here, the whole time behind the scenes, he was talking to people over at Rock Nation. And they were promising him the moon, the sky, and the stars. We're going to make you a superstar. We're going to make you a household name. We're going to pay you buku dinero. 
and this, that, and the third, and he fell for it. And him and his team, they were going to New York, and they were attending these little secret meetings. And um, it all started coming to light in 2015 because he was sitting like a duck. He was being iced by everybody. Um, Heyman didn't wasn't interested in working with him again because of the way he pulled out of the Charlo fight. And so it all came to light this year that Rock Nation asked him to pull out of the fight. He listened to them. They were supposed to pay him $350,000 for doing it. They never did that. His promoter, Banner Promotions, pissed the hell off. Um, So they're really not trying to bend over backwards for him right now because, you know, he showed some disloyalty there. And he had one fight this year that was off TV. Nobody cared about it. Nobody cares about him right now. At one point, he was being talked about as being one of the best 154-pounders in the division, and now he is irrelevant, and he's got about 10 different lawsuits out there, and he's got about two or three coming back on him. So he is our worst boxing businessman of the year. Congratulations, Demetrius Andrade. We will send you the award for the worst business. We're going to send him um, a copy of Rich Rich Dad, Poor Dad and a subscription to one of those, like, seminars from the Learning Annex where they teach you how to be successful in business. So look in, the, in your email for a voucher to the Learning Annex and a e-copy of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Congratulations. You earned that. You earned that. Earned every so, bit of it. Every single bit. So Okay, guys, let before us- we move on, we just got a tweet from Sugar Shane Mosley, and he wanted to thank yeah. us for giving him the award. And he also said, contrary to what the haters try to say, but he does write his own tweets, and he is funny when he wants to be. I believe you, Shane. I believe every bit of it. He deserve. I'm telling you, when that man tweeted, he would change his name to Sugar Shane Suck My Dick Mosley. I screamed in the middle of my house. That was so funny. So absolutely, Shane Mosley, we we believe you. I know I do. DeAndre, we're we're looking for a nine one seven in the queue, hopefully, or a three two three. So just keep your eye out for that, and we can keep on moving until they come on. Okay, excellent. So let us move on. Thanks, Sugar Shane, for the shout-out. That's pretty dope. Let us move on to the no signs of stopping anytime soon. This is for the Silver Fighter of the Year. Now, far be it for me to talk about age because I am 40, but I'm 40 in real life. So 40, I'm not really old yet. 40 in boxing or plus is a little up there you know boxing is a young man's sport it doesn't say you you know but it, it is a young man's sport and the ring retires fighters fighters don't retire but you know i don't know some of these we could have step away so the nominees are no actually no sorry wrong category they don't need to step away because these guys have no intention of stopping anytime soon so once again this is the no signs of stopping anytime soon silver fighter of the year war the nominees are Shannon Briggs, Shannon the Cannon, Shannon the Cannon been out there. He pops up at Klitschko press conferences. He's been calling out Deontay Wilder. He's been calling out anybody who weighs over 200 pounds that will listen. 
Shannon Briggs fought twice this year, won both times by KO. You know, caliber of opponents, we're not worried about all that. We just know that he got in the ring twice this year, and he won twice. So nominee number one. Nominee number two, Sugar Shane Mosley. Sugar Shane Mosley this year defeated an old foe in Ricardo Mayorga and produced an entire fight card, had women on the card, had it on pay-per-view, had it at the forum. Hey, Sugar Shane Mosley, you're a nominee. And our third and final nominee is, of course, Roy Jones Jr. Roy fought four times in 2015. He won three times, spit a hot 16, fought a fourth time, got knocked out, and still made it back to HBO after all these fights to get his commentate on. So those are our nominees. Michelle, would you like to announce the winner, please? I would. The winner is Sugar Shane Mosley. He wins another one here for producing and promoting an entire fight card. I believe it was even a pay-per-view fight card. Congratulations, Sugar Shane Mosley. You are an example to your your peers. We will be sending you. Hmm. What does what does one send Sugar Shane Mosley? We're gonna send Sugar Shane Mosley. I don't know. I gotta think about that. You know, I don't want Shane to cuss me out. You know, I can be sufficiently clever. Shane already jumped up in my in my mentions at one point this year when he thought I was being disrespectful, and I didn't even say his name, and I wasn't being disrespectful. So, Sugar Shane Mosley, we just going to say congratulations. Keep going. Keep, yeah. going. Keep going. Keep on going. So, yeah, still, I'm still watching the queue, still watching for our caller, so we will move on. Ooh. Shall we do – oh, well, let's keep with our older trend. Michelle, take it away. Let's go on with our um, okay. our next category – the uh, silver circuit. Okay, so we are on to the ring has retired these fighters, but they keep coming back award. And so the nominees this year are Ricardo Mayorga. He showed up super duper overweight against Mosley. He was smoking cigarettes again. Uh, he just came out of the woodworks and fought again this year. We also had James Tony as a nominee. He had a, he suffered a terrible loss in St. Louis this year. And he already has another fight scheduled for early 2016. And we also saw Glenn Johnson return to the ring this year. So these guys, they just can't stop, won't stop. And they're going to keep on trucking until, I don't even know, the fat lady has already sung. Um, so, Jonathan, go ahead. Our winner for the ring has retired this fighter, but they keep coming back award is? The winner is James Tony. Please, sanctioning bodies, or, or, please stop, not uh, athletic commission, please stop letting James, <laughs> my God, has anyone heard him in an interview recently? Stop putting that man through that. Let's find, can somebody give him an endorsement for some cigars or some, some, some kind of like bourbon or, you know, something where he can just sit down and chill. Stop allowing James Tony to fight. It is absolutely ridiculous. And he's going to keep going until someone stops approving his, you know, his license to fight. Stop it. I see he's taking the, the, you know, the show up to Canada. That's where the new fight is in early 2016. And it's it's sad, really. James Tony, come on, James Tony, no more, no more, no more. You know, so we are going to send him 
like one of those uh, packages where they lure you down to like Miami or Vegas and they show you a timeshare. So we're going to send him a voucher for, we're going to call it a vacation. And really it's going to be some timeshare like Trade West, some people holding him hostage, making him watch a timeshare <laughs> um, presentation. That way he can't be out there soliciting fights because he's going to be trapped in there. So congratulations, James, Tony, look for a Trade West representative to call you at the most inconvenient time ever. So that is that. Ooh, this is a good award. Michelle, I'm going to let you take the lead on this award, too, because our callers are not in the queue yet. So I'm going to let you uh, okay. move on with the uh, <laughs> this award. Uh, the back of the carton, have you seen the award? Ma'am, have you seen All me? right. Well, there have been some fighters that we don't even know if we could even call them fighters anymore because uh, they seem to do everything but fight. So our back of the carton, have you seen the award nominees are Mikey Garcia. Mikey Garcia stays in the gym. Tra- he stays in the gym training. Uh, he has, I guess, a lawsuit still out there, or he's trying to get out of some top rank contract. He has no fight announced. He hasn't fought in almost two years. Yet he's still doing weekly interviews. People interview him every week. Boxing scenes, fight hikes. Uh, the boxing voice, anybody can, that can get a microphone in front of Mikey Garcia continues to do interviews with him so the kid stays relevant. But he has yet to fight. So where are you, Mikey? What's going on? Put him on a milk carton. Our second nominee, Marcos Maidana. Last time we saw him, he fought Mayweather in the second rematch, and we've been seeing pictures of him from Argentina, and he looks like he could be weighing over 200 pounds at this point. Uh, where are you? Are you coming back? Can you even make, you know, 147? I don't even know if he can make 154 at this point. He might come back as a middleweight. Um, he might come back as a light heavyweight. My God. And then our third nominee for Have You Seen Me Award is Demetrius Andrade. We saw him one time, but he did fight off the TV, so we're not even going to count that. So, Giandra, with that being said, the winner the winner is, of course, Mikey Garcia. Mikey, man, come on. What's up? You know, I appreciate that you have these things you need to work out with top rank, but the I, see, this is where, you know, I know, we have a little bit of time here, Michelle. We don't want to get too preachy and keep it light, but maybe mm-hmm. you can explain this to me. And maybe someone listening has the same thing. When a fighter in, enters into an agreement, the duration of the agreement, is it for number of fights or number of years? Because if you really want to get out of it, I would just fight like a tomato can and be like, okay, cool. I've, I've fulfilled my obligation. How do these things work or does it differ from fighter to fighter? What, does, what can he do? I mean, I know you don't know the specifics, but how does that work? Well, you know, what he could have done is just fight out his contract. And I think that he had some people getting in his ear saying, you know, you should be getting paid more, you should this, you should that, when, you know, Top Rank does such a great job at branding fighters and building them. And they had him fighting in New York, they had him fighting in Texas, they had him fighting in California, and I thought they were moving him really well. And it's not like his fights were that spectacular to watch. I mean, there was a couple of his fights that were, you know, I hate to use the word boring, but they weren't uh, very entertaining so I'm not mm-hmm. sure there was, like, a little false sense of entitlement coming in. And this all happened right around Marcos Maidana got that Mayweather fight for the first time. And 
you know, that was big money over there for Oxnard, for any fighter over there. And so I think he started getting around some people and they were kind of getting in his ear about, well, you should be making this and you should be making that. And, you know, now he's just put himself on ice and he wants out of his contract and he's saying that he hasn't been treated well. And, you know, in the meantime, he's not fighting. Man, I would have fought like, Man, what is what was Mikey when he last was in the ring? Was that what one forty? Man, they could have tossed yeah. Mikey's ass in there with. They could have tossed him in there with like Mike Alvarado or somebody. You know that was that would have been a, a, a easy win. It would have been you know two Mexicans. People would have watched it. You know, and that might have got him out of his agreement. But I don't know. I don't know. Who you know? I don't know. We'll at, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens with Mikey. So Mikey. We are going to get you, we're going to put a chip in you so we can always know your whereabouts. So you will get a complimentary chip. So look for a surgical voucher from us in the mail in the coming weeks so, so we can keep track of you. Well, actually, we, he don't even need that. All we got to do is turn on the Internet. We find him on YouTube. So, you know, hey, start your, you know, start your own channel. It probably would be pretty live. Do a show. I don't know. We, we we shall see. We shall see. So now we have entered into the point. We will skip uh, some of our awards. And um, actually, let's take us a brief intermission. And we will be right back with you in just a moment. of the Q button blog talk radio we can't talk privately I guess we got a text I'm glad I didn't say any crazy shit why don't we pick up before we move on to some other categories I see somebody come up calling from the 504 I know 504 is from Louisiana because my family is country as hell so I'm gonna pick up the 504 and see who we are talking with 504 you are on with Deandra LaBeouf and Michelle Rosado the year in boxing awards who are we talking to uh, John from New Orleans. What's up, John from New Orleans? What you cooking? You making black eyed peas today? <laughs> nah, I ain't making. <laughs> I ain't making none today. You gotta make some black eyed peas. It's New Year's Eve. You gotta make some black eyed peas and some greens. Come on now. Oh, uh, I, I don't have to make it. You know, my 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 people making it. That's what I'm saying. That's what we you know. Hook your sister up. You know, I'm Creole. Put some in a Tupperware and put that shit on some dry ice and send it to the girl. I got you. <laughs> All right. So what 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 can we do for you? What's good from New Orleans today? How are you enjoying our year end awards today? Oh, I'm enjoying them. You know, that's, that's very creative, which I did today. That was very creative. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to be moving on to our traditional category soon. But, you know, these are the thoughts that we have during the course of the show. What was your, if you could pick one moment from boxing this year that just, what was your best moment from boxing this year? You know what? I ain't 
even though the fight didn't turn out the way everybody expect, it was that the atmosphere where I was at, you know, we had a fight party and the Mayweather Pack fight. And we had good food and the crowd was great and we had fun. All right, yes, that definitely was a moment. When you first heard that the fight was announced, did you really think you were going to get it, or where you thought they were joshing again? Well, I knew Floyd was going to fight the fight he always fight. I was wondering what was Pat going to actually, you know, force him to actually fight like Madonna and Cotto actually did to Floyd. Mm-hmm. That's what All I was right. looking for, but I saw Pat stood back, try to box, and the fight was what it was. It was what it was. Well, I thank you for calling in. Keep hanging with us. I'm going to put you in the queue so you can continue listening to the show. You know, shout out to New, New Orleans. That's my that's my family down there. You might be my cousin. Are you Creole? <laughs> <laughs> no, I ain't Creole. <laughs> I'm right, not so Creole. You know, we are brothers and sisters in God. So have a, a great day, and I'm going to put you back in the queue so you continue listening. Thank you for tuning in. Happy New Year. Happy New Year right, to you. I'm going to pick up this 404, which I know to be Georgia, Atlanta, I believe. 404, you are on with the Raging Babe and the show. Peace. Uh-oh. Am I better now? Yes. Better now? Okay. Yes. I know what category we could do. I have two gratuitous categories that I would like to add. You know, it is a labor of love to do these podcasts. Thank you to Michelle, obviously, for holding me down, to my man, Ryan Bivens will be on the train doing the show, in the car doing the show, coming from the gym. Ryan did a show running down the street one day when he was training for his fight. So shout out to Michelle, shout out to Ryan, shout out to Brandon Stubbs for holding it down in my absence. Shout out to, <clears throat> excuse me, it's my Abdul Salam, a Boxing Mayhem for holding down the show, Bread and Red, Alan Swire, all these people who put these shows on. But the shows are not the shows without the listeners. And we have two listeners that make this show so great and have supported us so much over the last year. So the first winner, the, I'd like to recognize, I will call the podcast fan of the year from the United States. I want to give a shout out to my man, Mike Money from Brooklyn. You are the ruckus boxing podcast fan of the year you are so dope you support the show all the time you tweet us you retweet us so you are so so dope my beautiful friend michelle rosado will be sending you a raging a a shirt from the raging babe store you know just in appreciation we really 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 appreciate your support because you know somebody got to listen to all this rambling and our second award winner is our international listener of the year and that award goes, I don't even know his real name, but he goes by Simplificado on Twitter. He gets up at like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning in England and listens to the show live. I said, damn, that makes me feel really, really special and really honored and really humbled. So Simplificado, 
thank you so much for your support. We're going to try to get you a shirt too, but we don't know your name. We just know you the lime. Well, you the yellow rose now. You were the lime rose for a long time and you call into the show and we love you to death. So thank you for listening to the show. We appreciate it greatly. Oh, we, so with that, you know, we have people in the queue who are just listening to the show, but shout out to Simplificado and shout out to Mike from Brooklyn for tuning in to the show. We salute you. So, Michelle, we are still um, awaiting our first caller. So, shall we go on to another award? Yeah, you know what? Let's do uh, something maybe just really quick. Um, we have Mike Rodriguez that should be calling in here any minute before we get to that award. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Uh I wish he was on the line. We we're kind of needing him to call in. Come on, Mike, the uh, homicide yeah. cut man, the well-known yeah, just cut man. We just need him to hurry up and chalk, just chalk the body. Tell him hold on for a minute. Tell Benson and Stabler to hold on for a minute, and you'll be right back. <laughs> Benson and Stabler. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, brother. Well, you know, I I guess I'll just. Continue where you left off. I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in to earlier this year. DeAndra helped me a lot with Raging Dave Radio. And now we're going to grow the ruckus on badculture.net. And we just look forward to bringing unique shows to the fans. You know, we want to be informative. We want to talk about the hot topics. Uh, we want to have fun debates. And, and we would just want to have fun with it. You know, we don't want to have the same radio podcast as everybody else has. And we're going to try to bring you guys, try to get, some different fighters on the show. We want to talk to their trainers. We want to talk to their promoters. Um, We're going to try to bring you as much tea and juice as we can in 2016. So thank you for listening in. I think that everyone's going to really enjoy the new format next year. Um, And we might even add an extra day next year. We won't tell you what that is yet because we don't want anybody to steal our idea. Um, Mm -hmm. But just stay tuned, stay posted, and we're going to have a great year next year. Get it right, Terry. Oh, oh, kill him. Oh, kill him. Oh. We're going to be doing a lot of that in 2016. Oh, kill him. I think that we have somebody from the 323. That's my hood. Benson and Stabler finally got off his back. Let's bring him. Oh, wow. We got the 323 and the 917. Where shall we go first? Uh, You know what? Let's. To, uh the 917 first since Mike was a little late I think he'd be okay with holding on for five more minutes so let's bring on the 917 Jay all right uh oh come on pick up 917 917 I picked up the 917 he must be in a bad reception area because as soon as I picked him up his call dropped so we oh, will wait no. for the yeah. So nine one seven, dial back in with us. He was oh shoot. Oh well, let's go on to uh, three two three. Let's wait just a couple of minutes and see if we get our nine one seven back. We don't really want any. Uh, oh, you know what? I forgot. I have all these fun things now that I can play.
have to wait for the 917 to call back. Let's pick up the 323-323. Who are we speaking with? It's uh, Cutman Mike Rodriguez. Cutman Mike Rodriguez. We have to give you your proper introduction. Okay. Michelle Rosado, take it away for Cutman Mike Rodriguez. All right. Again, we're trying to be unique here, and we want to honor and appreciate everyone involved in the boxing industry. And such an important role in a fighter's career is his cut man. Yes, he has a trainer. Yes, he has a strength and conditioning coach. But, my God, the cut man is such an instrumental part of the team. And we had three nominees, um, our first nominee and our winner, Mike Rodriguez, our second nominee was Fitch Duran, which we've seen him in the corner of Matty Pacquiao, Amir Khan, and some other fighters. And our third nominee this year was Danny Davis. And Danny Davis isn't a, is, a, let's say, a big name in boxing, but he works in pretty big corners. He's Bernard Hopkins' cut man. He works the cuts for Gabe Rosado, which everyone knows Gabe Rosado was prone to cuts. And this year he didn't cut, and when he did cut, Danny Davis did an awesome job in patching him up this year. He worked for Jesse Hart and some other big names in the industry. So you just might not recognize the name, but Danny Davis is definitely a cut man to watch out for in the future. But our winner, clear winner, hands down, Mike Rodriguez. And Mike Rodriguez is on the line with us. Congratulations. Yeah, before we hear from Mike a little more, I just want to run down a little bit about what he did this year and who he worked for because it's pretty amazing shit, okay? He's worked nearly 100 fights this year. He's worked for just about every fighter that's with any promoter, whether it's Golden Boy, Top Lines, or PVC. There's a little noise on the phone, Giandra. Sorry. Okay. Oh, no problem. I don't think that's my end. It's uh, quiet, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. I'll mute my phone. Okay. Okay, so he's worked over 100 fights this year. He has a stable of fighters of at least 30 fighters and some notable names. He worked in the corners of Chris Ariola, Abner Mades, Julian Williams, Gerard Washington. Uh, he's been in Willie Nelson's corner this year, Omar Douglas, um, Kevin Farmer. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. He's worked with trainers such as Freddie Roach, Robert Garcia, Joel Diaz, Henry Ramirez. Again, the list goes on and on and on. He had some really notable cuts stopped this year that were pretty bad. If anybody remembers the fight back in March with Francisco Vargas on HBO Latino, he stopped a super, super deep cut over the left eye of Vargas. It was just phenomenal, phenomenal work. So with all that being said, Mike Rodriguez, congratulations for being cut man of the year. How you doing today, sir? I'm, I'm doing great, guys, and I, uh, I'm really honored and, and I'm really humbled because when you mention names like, uh, like Stitch Duran and, and, and Danny Davis, two people that I definitely respect. And just on a side note, a lot of people don't know this that uh, Jacob Stitch Duran was my uh, my boxing trainer in the military in the Air Force on the uh, many many years ago, and he's been a huge influence. Um, um, on what I do now, him and, and many other people, and I always tell people that if you work with the best, then good things will definitely happen. So getting this award from people that I respect in the fight game, it means even that much more to me. So thank you very much. 
You're very welcome. And, you know, why don't you share with our callers, and I know you've been on the show a couple times, but it's funny, or not funny, but it's kind of ironic. Tell us a little bit about your, quote, unquote, your real job and then how that relates to boxing. Many people might not know what you do from 9 to 5. And, and you know, I wish it was from 9 to 5. Um, I'm a homicide detective in Los Angeles for the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. I'm actually on call right now, and that's why um, I wasn't able to call you at the scheduled time about a half an hour ago. Um, and I've been with the Sheriff's Department for 28 years, and I've been a homicide detective for uh, for 11 years, so it keeps me pretty busy. And I think uh, I want to give props to my good buddy, uh, Joel De La Hoya, who uh, saw me on the news one time at a, at a crime scene, and he called me the crime-fighting cut man. Um, and another reporter, uh, Gabe Montoya, did a little story that says I'm in the blood business, and I guess uh, both of those things uh, kind of ring true, and I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful to be able to do two things that I love to do and work with great people. That's the main thing is the, the, the teams that I work with, not just the fighter, but from the managers and the trainers, the strength and conditioning coaches, they're all really good people, and, and it makes for doing If you do what you love to do, you never have to work a day in your life. That's awesome. Good work, man. We we love seeing you on our TV. I love watching your work in the corner. There is an art behind it. You know, you just nobody just shows up and, and works corners and can stop cuts the way you do or, or that anybody does. You know, it's a trade, it's a craft, and obviously we can all see your passion for it and how dedicated you are to it. And in just a matter of a couple years, I mean, the, the, type, the fighters that you work with at the level that you work with them, I mean, it's, it's a lot of pressure, I would assume, you know. And so how do you maintain calm in the corner when you have, like, a Vargas coming into your corner with a deep cut that way, you know, how do you remain calm? How do you give him the proper attention that he needs? Well, I think it's about being prepared and having a, having a game plan because, you know, 60 seconds, um, as you all know, goes by really quick, and it's not really one minute in between rounds. They shave that off a little bit and want you out of the ring, you know, even before that 60 seconds. But it's, you know, having been in the military and, and being a former fighter and being a cop, those are all the things. And working corners with some fantastic people, some of them that you just – that you mentioned, um, it's not just the work that I do. It's, it's, it's the entire corner that gets us through the round to get our fighter, you know, ready for that next round. But I think I'm a big I'm, – I'm really big on being prepared. It's better to have and not need than the need and not have. And, and I just like to know that my, my fighter, you know, when he comes back, that I'm going to give him the best attention possible. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize, Michelle, I see a lot of cut men get criticized because the fighter keeps bleeding or – or maybe they didn't do what the public thought was a great job. But you got to understand, when a basketball player sprains his ankle and they tape him up and they put him on the sideline, he's not getting hit in the face. And if you got a cut or you got substantial amount of swelling, um, and he comes back after three minutes and people are like, well, he's bleeding. Well, of course he's bleeding. He just got hit, you know, 27 <laughs> different times, and he's sustaining multiple additional traumas to his face. You're going to bleed and you're still going to swell, and that's why that minute of being prepared and, and knowing your fighter, that's a big thing, too, knowing your fighter um, and, the, and your corner allowing you to work and them having the faith in you that you're going to do the best job you can to get him out there to get hit another 30 times the next three minutes. Well, Mike, you are just a testament. You are in a class above so many out there. Thank you so much for your contribution to the sport. You're extremely talented, and it was absolutely our pleasure to honor you today. I, I really appreciate it. When, and when somebody can put me up with the likes of, of a Stitch Duran and a Danny Davis, 
And I want to give a, a quick shout out if I can to some of the my contemporaries out there um, that are out there working cuts. Guys like Todd Harlip and 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 um, Aaron Aaron Navarro and guys like Danny Milano, uh, Mike Basil. There's a lot of great guys, and I've learned from Miguel Diaz and Joe Chavez and and David Martinez and guys like Stitch Duran and Ruben Gomez. They've all had a hand in in in, in what I do today. And guys like Carlos Vargas. So the the entire Cutman community, um, you know, hats off to them because um, these guys have all opened doors for me, and that's why anybody that's on their way up that ever wants help, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna close that door on them. If they have a passion for what they do and they want to learn the right way, and I want to tell people, it's just not about putting swabs in your ears and your mouth and calling yourself a cut man. I think that you guys mentioned earlier, it's 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 a craft, and, and in order for that craft to be appreciated, you've got to take it seriously because the stakes are really high for the fighters that you work with. This is life and death, not literally, but and figuratively in a lot of ways. For, for them establishing their future, and I take a lot of pride in that, and I wish you guys all a happy new year, and thank you very much for the award. Thank you, Mike. Thank Have you a good so one. Much. Happy new year. Happy new year. Keep up the great work, and look forward to chopping it up with you guys in 2016. <laughs> all right. So now we will move on to our next recipient, uh, Michelle. 917 is live on the line with you. 917, Mr. DeBella. Hi. How are you? How are you, Lou? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody. Thank you for joining us. We're having our year-end Boxing Awards um, show today, and it's not your ordinary or typical show. I mean, yeah, we have some traditional things like, you know, trainer of the year, yada, yada, but we really wanted to go into other categories and, and some memorable moments of this year. And one of our categories was documentary and or movie of 2015. And I reached out to you because we started – writing down some different nominees. There was South Paul, there was Creed, and there was Chase and Tyson this year. But the one that really stood out to all of us when reviewing this was Tapia. And even though it was at the end of 2014, we felt that we still wanted to give the awards to Tapia and talk about it um, because it was just such a moving documentary, full of emotion, full of life. And we know that you had a lot to do with that documentary. So can you talk to us about your input and your role in the Tapia sure. documentary. Sure, I, I'd, I'd love to, and I, and I thank you for the honor. And, uh, and I think it is a great movie. Um, and I think you know it, it's probably such a great movie because it, it's Johnny in his own words, and Johnny's whole life was um, stranger than fiction in a lot of ways. And you couldn't invent it, and you couldn't invent Johnny. And um, he was a guy with a tremendous amount of passion and a great, great fighter in the ring. He had all sorts of demons, but he was also blessed with a lot of personality and charisma. And, and, you know, when Johnny was a happy person, Johnny was as great a person to be around as there was. Um, But, you know, having gone through what he went through with his mother's murder when he was a young child and and growing up, you know, on the streets of of Albuquerque with gang life and, and, you know, drug problems. And, you know, his, his life was a roller coaster, but... Um, the story of the movie really was that I, 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 a buddy of mine, Eric Giraffe, who had won, a, um, had won an Emmy Award for the, the documentary Assault in the Ring, um, he called me and he said, I, there's a young filmmaker working on this documentary that's based on a series of interviews he did with Johnny Tapia. And the interviews were really done in preparation for a dramatic film, and they were using him as background. But Johnny wanted to be dressed as a boxer in his boxing attire, even though he had retired. 
Um, and this guy lit it beautifully, and the interviews were amazing. And um, and Johnny passed away literally days after the final interview. Um, so this these interviews really became his last chance to tell his own story. And the, the, it, it was, you know, I, I saw the what this guy had, had put on on film, and I was blown away. And um, and the first thought I had actually because of Johnny's loss of his his mom at such a young age um, was to call 50 Cent. He had lost his mother when he was very young also, and I thought that Johnny's story would resonate with him, and obviously 50 is a big box fan. And, um, and I called 50, and, you know, partially because, uh, you know, I wanted someone else to invest with, with me on it, but also because, you know, obviously 50's name is, a, is very attractive in the entertainment world. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I figured a combination of myself and 50 as executive producers and the involvement of our production companies would help this young filmmaker, Eddie Alcazar, um, you know, finish his product and, and, and be able to sell it uh, to a major network. And eventually we were able to sell it to HBO, which was incredible because, you know, obviously HBO has an incredible history with, with great documentary films. Um, and, yeah, it, it, it the premiere of it was at the end of last year in December, but most of the run of the film was actually in 2000. And 15, so uh, it's not that out of school for it to be honored this year, and I, and I, and I thank you for that. And um, Bentley Weiner, the version that aired on HBO, she was HBO's uh, director. Um, Eddie Alcazar was the director uh, of the original film that appeared at the LA Film Festival, and, and was really the basis. His his work was really the basis of the whole documentary, and then Bentley really put a great finishing touches on it, and she did a tremendous job, and you know, along with her 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 staff at HBO, so I, I want to thank Eddie Alcazar, I want to thank Bentley Weiner. Um, I want to thank 50, because when I went to his office with this, he, you know, this what was a very rough cut of the film, he looked, he watched the first 15 minutes of it, and then he said, hey, I'm in, and um, and, and, and he agreed to, you know, to basically, uh, you know, back the film economically dollar for dollar with me, um, which made, you know, made me able to do the deal, and, um, and obviously when I went to sell the deal, his presence at the LA Film Festival, his presence at the HBO premiere, his involvement in helping to to market the film, I think got it got it seen by a lot more people. Um, so I want to thank my 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 buddy Fifty Cent for that, and um, and thank you for honoring the film. I I think that it's a story of of redemption, not just a story of addiction. It's a story of you know his vita loca, you know Johnny's crazy life, but it's also a story of of you know it's a love story and story about how how love endures and and you know the you know it's sort of sad that johnny um died shortly after the shooting of the film but but it's also uh it was at least pleasing to me uh that it wasn't an overdose that he died of natural causes i mean he had put a, a real toll on his his body with mm-hmm. the years of abuse it went through uh in the ring but also largely outside of the ring um but when Johnny passed away, uh, it, it was not from an overdose. It was um, that that his heart gave gave in, and and frankly, one of the things Johnny had was as big a heart as just about anybody. So, um, you know, this one's for Johnny well, Tapper. Yeah. Well, I, on behalf of all of the boxing fans, want to thank you because the way that you were able to capture his life story, his journey, his biggest accomplishments, his the toughest and most difficult moments in his turbulent life was incredible. And I don't think 
anything this year to touch that. And there was some pretty good stuff this year. You know, I'm not throwing anything under the bus, but I think what you did with Tapia was incredible. I'm not a crier. I'm not one of those chicks that cries a lot. I cried watching Tapia, and I'm sure that there was other men out there that got choked up and teared up from it because it was just so beautifully done. So, Lou, thank you so much for calling on to the show and talk about it, and uh, we hope to see more documentaries from you because you're awesome at it. All right, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And by the thank way, you. if you have a chance, yeah. uh, you know, go on Netflix and, and watch Maravilla. Um, it's a documentary that we did about Martinez's his, his career, but really about his issues with, with navigating the politics of boxing. And it's a very mm-hmm. different documentary than Tapia, but it's a, it's a real interesting, I think, inside view and, you know, compelling view of, of, of the politics of the sport. And, and, and you know, I, Did you say uh, that's on Netflix? Maravilla. You can get you can get Maravilla when you watch it on Netflix. You can you can watch Tapia on iTunes, and um, I urge people if they haven't seen it to see them because I think they're really good. And and props, you know, one, one more time, thank you, Eddie Alcazar, who directed it, Bentley Weiner, who directed it for HBO, Fifty Cent, and everybody involved with it. Um, our associate producer Devin Giannoni, everybody else who worked on the film, and um, and I hope people get to see it if they haven't. And you know what? There are some really good movies this, this year that are worth seeing also. I thought Creed was, was, was real good, and, and, and people should take a look at that also. And thank you so much. Happy New Year. You're welcome. Happy New Year. Thanks, Have a good so one. Much. Now we are going to call our Trainer of the Year um, winner. Let us get him on the line here. Oh, he's not answering. I'm going to uh, dial him again. I'm going to text him and let him know um, that we are calling. Just one moment, please. Yeah, while you're doing that, if you want, I I could touch on some of the boxing movies this year. Oh, definitely. Okay. So, uh, you know, we did want to really acknowledge Tapia, um, but Southpaw did come out earlier this year and thought it was a great movie, um, didn't have so much to do with boxing. It was, there was more of a storyline. And then Creed was awesome. Creed actually was a spinoff, I guess you want to call it, of the Rocky series, and it broke box office numbers. I think the opening weekend did close to, like, $15 million, and we saw um, Andre Ward was in that movie. Um, Gabe Rosado was in that movie. There was, there was a couple fighters um, today that made some appearances in there and had some minor roles. So that was really cool. And then there was Chase and Tyson on ES, ESPN, which that was a great documentary too. So definitely want to acknowledge those and mention the nominees. Um, but Tapia just still stood in our minds from the end of 2014. Awesome. Let me uh, call our person uh, once more. He probably didn't recognize the number. I don't know what's happening. Um, I sent him a text message, and uh, we will uh, try him again in just a moment. I will await his uh, text message back. In the meantime, why don't we go ahead and recognize the, uh, let's see, what do you think? Shall we do knockout of the year, uh, or we could do fight? Let's do knockout of the year. Okay, so knockout of the year. 
we'll we'll go ahead and do that in uh, the meantime while we wait for a text back. Knockout of the year. There have been some 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 really good ones, some really brutal, vicious knockouts. Everybody has their different criteria of how they evaluate a knockout. But my selection for knockout of the year was the Gabriel Bracero versus Daniel Connor fight on October 10th, 2015. And I will tweet the link uh, to the show, to the fight. Actually, we'll pause on that and our award winner is available. So we will definitely want to hear from him. So I'll come back to that. I don't know. Let me see. Why don't I have oh, him man. call us? I know. Yeah. I know. It's, it's, I'll have him call us. Yeah, he's probably seeing a weird number um, calling. We really want to bring the trainer on the year on for you guys. Um, just You'll because love it. he did have a really great year. You're going to love hearing from him. And um, he got the award for many reasons, not just because he has, you know, like the top fighters or anything like that, but to be trainer of the year, you have to take ownership of a lot more than just your fighter winning. And it's sometimes not all about just winning. So we will, I just sent him a text message, so we will wait for his number to pop up in the queue. I won't say what area code it is because you'll know what region that is and then you'll know who the winner is. So, you know, while we are waiting, I'm enjoying um, doing this show today with you, Michelle. It is always a pleasure to be with you. Very, very knowledgeable. And I just wanted to put in that time. So it's not just fluff. It's really true. But here is our award winner here from the area Cody calling from. Abel Sanchez, Mr. Sanchez. Good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon. Thank you so much for calling in. For those of you who are listening in, we are now joined by Abel Sanchez, head trainer of uh, Gennady Golovkin, Dennis Shafikov. He just got a whole cadre of weapons happening there in uh, Big Bear, California. And it is our honor this year to recognize you as the, the ruckus 2015 trainer of the year. Well, I'm, I'm humbled. Thank you very much. <laughs> You've had uh, such such a year. You're you're such a you know you've had many many accomplishments this year. Notably with your your top your top your top champion, Vanadi Golovkin. Talk to us a little bit about 2015 and what the year has been like, and you know some ups and downs and things that we don't usually get to hear from uh, the trainer of the year. Well, Gennady uh, obviously had a great year for us. Um, he is a great influence in the gym, so we have a lot of the young guys that are that are coming up and doing well. We had a couple setbacks. We had a setback with Freddie Lawson uh, fighting for the number one spot in the IBF, and we had a setback with Dennis Shafikov, uh just a couple weeks ago. But uh, we had a lot of great fights this year. Murat Gassiev improved dramatically. He's number one now, uh, getting ready to go to a first pit to fight for the IBF Cruiserweight title. Uh, uh Constantine Ponomarev uh, had a very good year. He fought uh, three times, uh, one all three. So now he's up there in the top five or six in the world. Sullivan Barrera now is rated number one, uh, getting ready to uh, fight Kovalev, hopefully as a mandatory. If uh, they're trying to negotiate an Andre Ward fight, but if that doesn't come through, then we'll wait for Kovalev. But we're having a, 
a great year with uh, some very good young talent. What do you think is your biggest challenge? You seem to manage your stable very well. You have a lot of weapons there. How do you manage your time so efficiently between all the fighters you have? Well, I think it's important for them to understand that uh, there's everybody has a career. They're uh, they're all uh, they live in a house where it's more like a family. Uh, they live in a house where they all cook and, and tend for each other. So um, they understand that sometimes I have to be gone. But uh, with Gennady being the kind of fighter that he is and the kind of person that he is, and being the leader, he's probably the one that understands the most because of his troubles that he had in uh, in Germany with uh, promoters not giving him the time. And now with him here and training as hard as he does and being the leader in my house, uh, in my gym, I should say, uh, it's easier for the other guys to understand that sometimes we are gone and sometimes uh, other guys have fights while you're preparing for a fight also. But um, we seem to manage uh, so far Hopefully 2016 is the same kind of year as 2015 for us. Abel, we had some other nominees for Trainer of the Year, but you really stood out, not only because you're a phenomenal trainer and because you do have Golovkin, but there's so many other things that we thought about when we were picking our Trainer of the Year. This year we saw a lot of fighters coming in missing weight by not one or two pounds. Some are missing weight by three, four, five, eight pounds, your guys are always professional. They are always on weight. They always are active. And that shows a lot about you. So not only are you a great trainer, because we feel that trainers should own that. You know, if there's some trainers out there, their fighters are always coming in overweight. And, you know, they have to be held responsible for that. And, and that's why we want to salute you even more, not only for the great job that your fighters are doing, but because of the professionalism and because you do own that and you do feel accountable to that. And so um, is that fair to say? I mean, that that's an important part of training, don't you think, is to make sure that your guys are conditioned and making weight and those things? I, I think it's our responsibility as coaches, uh, not only to our guys, to make sure that we we discipline enough that all aspects of their not only their, their preparation but their performance is to the level of uh, what the fan wants to see. Uh, if without the fans and without the people supporting us, it's impossible for us to be uh, not only winning and, and, and showcasing ourselves, but winning an award like you're like you're talking to me about now. Uh, my guys understand that uh, I will check their weight consistently. I will. I, ha- I have scales in my gym that are uh, of a of a big gym uh, style where, where they're perfect. So. When we leave for a fight, we are around the weight or, or below it because, like I said, it is our responsibility as coaches to make sure that we live up to the bargain or live up to the contract and live up to what the promoters are expecting from us. Absolutely. Well, Abel, once again, it is an uh, an honor to speak with you. Uh, it was you were a pre-runaway winner for us, very, very clear as our selection of Trainer of the Year, and we look forward to seeing what you and your team have in store for 2016. Well, I certainly appreciate it. I'm humbled uh, by the selection and by the nomination, but hopefully we uh, we can continue to uh, to excel like we've been doing and, and, and be talking again next year about the same thing. Absolutely. Thank you once again, Abel. I, I know you guys are traveling right now, and you probably just want to relax, so thank you again for taking the time to speak with us. 
Thank you very much for having me. Uh, thank you for all the support and uh, continued success uh, to your show and uh, have a great 2016. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Um, while we are waiting, I think uh, we have uh, our next guest in the queue. Uh, double, let me double check. Is this our guest, Michelle, from 215? Yes, it is. Two five. I'm here. Hi, Mr. Hello, happy new year. Hello, it's Russell. I'm here. All right, Russell Pelt. He's our next guest on the show. Um, He's a legendary Hall of Fame promoter. Uh, He is Philly Boxing, and we wanted Russell to come on the show with us today. And just to talk a little bit about the best and the worst of 2015 and really wanted to get his thoughts on the Manny Pacquiao-Timothy Bradley three fight. Um, So today, Russell, during the show, we were talking about some of the best and worst moments of 2015, some of the fights that really stood out, you know, even some mismatches that were a little bit embarrassing. So um, if you could pick out a moment in boxing this year that really stuck out to you, whether it was good or bad or indifferent, um, can you give us can you give us an example of one? Well, I think a good moment came a couple weeks ago when Luis Ortiz announced himself as a heavyweight to be reckoned with when he blew out Brian Jennings of Philly in, in, in spectacular fashion, um, coming on the heels of Fury's win over Klitschko, which was probably the low point of the year, if not <laughs> the century hmm. for heavyweight boxing. At least it. It opened up the heavyweight division, and now there's some, I don't know if it's excitement, there's some interest in the heavyweight division, and Ortiz right now is probably at the top of the queue. Hmm. So, um, yeah, I would say I don't think it was a spectacular year. I think Klitschko Fury was 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 the low point because, in the history of boxing, that was a sad excuse for a world heavyweight championship fight on both ends. One guy was scared and the other guy was glad, and, and we have a new heavyweight champion, but it's got people excited thinking, you know, there's a lot of contenders out there like Parker and Joshua and now Luis Ortiz that can uh, that can make some noise to say nothing of Deontay Wilder. What are your thoughts on Deontay Wilder? Is he the real deal, or is he a hype job? I mean, you've been around some of the best heavyweights ever, so I know it's really hard to compare today's generation to, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Deontay Wilder? He won the title too soon. He's just fair. He's average. I mean, he may have the knockout record, but when you compare his rise with all those knockouts to the rise of Mike Tyson in the 80s, there's no comparison. If we could get a heavyweight like Mike Tyson that could actually strike fear into opponents and knock out fairly decent quality opponents on the way up, like Jesse Ferguson and Marvis Frazier and and guys like that, as opposed to the guys that Deontay Wilder has been knocking out that seem to they're either so overmatched or they just go down from phantom punches. So, the, and, and with the, the fracture of the heavyweight division, I don't know if we have three champs or we're going to have three in a couple of weeks 
or or if we have four, I can't even keep up myself. But um, there's no interest in Wilder. There, uh, it's interesting that Lou DiBella, <laughs> it's funny, Lou DiBella was quoted the other day saying that this is the, there hasn't been a world heavyweight championship fight in Brooklyn since James J. Corbett and Jim Jeffries 115 years ago. And the irony of it is now that we have two heavyweight championships on the same card, Glasgow against Martin and Wilder against Spilka. I mean, what are we doing with two heavyweight championship <laughs> fights? We're only supposed to have one because there's only one world. So, I mean, that that's the business we have to deal with today. Well, sounds like it's changed a lot. Uh, let's switch gears and let's talk about some good things in 2015. Is there a fighter that maybe shows you a little bit of that old school mentality and skill and fundamentals where you think he's special, that he's got a future, or maybe he is that type of star right now? Who out there does impress you? Well, I guess the one that always comes to mind that sticks out, although honestly there wasn't, the one that sticks out is Golovkin. Triple G, uh, you know, more so than Kovalev, certainly more so than Wilder. Forget about Fury. Golovkin's the the fighter that everyone's talking about now. If he were an American fighter, knocking out all these people, that would be even bigger. But he's such a to be a devastating puncher and to be such a lovable character. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't talk about eating your children. He, he doesn't gross people out and threaten to hit them at press conferences. You know, he's a class guy, and he gives you this big smile, and then he knocks your brains into the third row. And that's what uh, people want to see. Unfortunately, with, with the fracture of the middleweight title, he suffers from lack of real quality opposition. And, and I laugh when they say that, well, maybe we should put the, the Golovkin – uh, Canelo fight off for another year. Boxing can't wait another year. You know, it's it's been waiting too long for these kind of fights. And to have to sit through another year where where they can't unify one of the most cherished titles of all, the middleweight title, you know, what, what, what are we going to have to sit through? Who's Golovkin going to have to beat up in 16 and, and Canelo to beat up in 16? It, let them fight. If they don't want to fight in May, at least in September. And this, you know, and it galls me, this catchweight stuff. If you're the middleweight champ, you fight at 160. Mm. I mean, I, I did a study recently of the six fights between Sugar Ray Robinson and Jake LaMotta. And there was one fight where Robinson weighed 142 and, and LaMotta was like 158. And even when they fought for the title, Robinson was 155 and LaMotta was 160. I mean, real fighters, real fighters don't, you know, they fight at the weight limit. They don't make these deals to take off weight or make a guy. Otherwise, forget it. Give up the title. But he stands out. Golovkin stands out more so than Kovalev, probably because of his personality and he's been drawing people. Kovalev hasn't yet caught on with the people for some reason. Golovkin has. He's been he's been marketed better for some reason, and, and, and which is surprising because Kathy Duvid main events are are good at marketing their fighters, but for some reason 
And even though Kolov, uh, Kovalev beat Hopkins, he still is, doesn't resonate with the people like Golovkin does. And, uh, you know, and, and we've talked about that a little bit before because Golovkin and Kovalev, they're both HBO fighters. They're both on an, a phenomenal network, and neither one of them are American, but you're right. It seems like Golovkin is, is a much bigger star, more well-known, and Kovalev just hasn't caught up yet. And if you wanted to really break it down, Kovalev has fought the better opposition. So it is kind of odd that Golovkin is more lovable, more well-known, and has a little more star power. Well, you know, you read all this stuff today on the websites about fighters, you know, calling each other out, calling each other names. Maybe the public's getting tired of that. Maybe they are. I mean, Rocky Marciano never grossed anybody out at a press conference. Neither did Joe Lewis. Uh, but but and and Golovkin doesn't. He doesn't say really anything bad about people. But Kovalev is starting to call fighters chickenness, and and he's mm-hmm. not wrong. But maybe the public's getting tired of that. I, I don't really know. The, the whole thing with Adonis Stevenson is 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 shameful. It's just shameful that they that they can't make the fight in the competing networks. It's 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 just outrageous. It's other other sports must look at us like. Like we're foolish, and they're not wrong. What are your thoughts on yesterday? Um, it was announced that Manny Pacquiao versus Timothy Bradley three, and a lot of the fans were very, very vocal. You got a lot of angry people saying they don't want to see it, this, that, and the third. Um, what do you think about that fight getting made? Well, the only reason I'm interested, the only person that's going to be able to sell that fight is Teddy Atlas. And I love Teddy Atlas. And I'm proud to say that he's a close friend of mine or vice versa. So I'm happy for Teddy. And I think Teddy is probably the main selling point in that fight because I think people are disappointed in Pacquiao. And Bradley's really not somebody that's going to draw fans to the box office. So I'm happy for Teddy, but in, in, in the real world, the best thing for boxing would have been just in the Pacquiao situation would have been send Pacquiao to London and let him fight Amir Khan at Wembley stadium. That would have been just like I thought that Mayweather rather than fighting Birdo should have gone to England to fight Amir Khan outdoors. It would have been such a monster, just the atmosphere and the, the thousands and thousands of people, 40,000, 50,000 people that would go to see that fight instead of having to watch Pacquiao Bradley in a, in a Las Vegas casino arena. It's just, it's just the same old, same old. Nobody has any, oh, they're going to tell me about finances and this and that. Listen, you know, you got to start somewhere. Nobody's creative anymore in boxing. It's so easy. Let's just go to the MGM or the Mandalay Bay and, and do the safe thing. And who's going to shell out 49 bucks for that fight on pay-per-view, uh, Bradley and Pacquiao? I, I, don't, I don't see it. The fighters got to start, if they're world champions, they got to start fighting around the world like some of the great world champions did of the past, and they have to get out of the Las Vegas scene. And they gotta they gotta move. And the biggest fight you can make right now for Pacquiao would have been Amir Khan 
in London, bigger than Crawford in Omaha. Yeah, maybe it would have drawn 18,000 people in Omaha, but 50,000 people in London. That would have been that would have been a scene, an atmosphere, something to get Europe excited. That's my opinion. Well, you know, Top Rank was going to Macau this year, and I think the year before. So they started, you know, traveling around the world, and I I thought Macau was doing really well for them. Yeah, but Macau. First of all, I think they were in Macau because of that that one fighter, that zoo shimming fighter. Wasn't yeah. he the main reason they went? But Macau is such a it's just such a well. Maybe I'm just being too provincial. It's too much of a limited audience in Macau. I just think that uh, to have a monster world title. Well, it wouldn't even. Yeah, does Bradley have a title? I can't believe I'm asking that question. Is Bradley a champion? <laughs> It's amazing that um, I don't even know that. He's the WBO welter. WBO welter. Okay. So you have a world ch- – that's sad um, that I don't know that. You have a world championship fight outdoors in Wembley Stadium or in a big soccer stadium in London. I mean, come on. You, Pacquiao, they can agree on who the judges are. That that Boxing needs things like that. That's why Terrence Crawford – you know, when I see Terrence Crawford fighting in Omaha, I say, this is terrific. You know, you're introducing boxing, not that you would have to introduce it at any, but you're introducing boxing in Omaha to brand new people. Even when Deontay Wilder, forget what I think of him, when he goes to Tuscaloosa and defends his title there and they draw all those people to see those pathetic fights. But still, you're introducing, and those people in the audience don't know that it's a pathetic fight. You're introducing all these new people to our sport. We've got to get out of the, outside the box and start doing things like that. It works really well, I think, and it's proven. I mean, you know, you even have a kid right now in California who Top Rank uh, promotes, and he gets like 13,000 people in the arena, you know, because they keep him in his backyard and they're introducing boxing to this area in California that may not be very popular. They might not farm out a lot of fighters, but they are addicted. They took a show there, they went, they loved it, and now they do shows there all the time, so it works. Yeah, Ramirez, you can't develop an attraction if you don't let him fight in his hometown. You can't turn on the TV like we've been turning on for the last 10 years, and I've said this a dozen times, and watch a fighter from Florida fighting a fighter from Connecticut, and the fight's in some godforsaken casino in Spokane, Washington. You can't do that. It's easy for the promoters to do that because they don't want to work. They don't want to hustle. They don't want to sell tickets out of their briefcase. They don't want to tack posters up on the, on the street corners. They just want some casino to pay them X amount of dollars, and they want to go there, and they give you the statement, people aren't buying tickets anymore. Well, people aren't buying tickets because promoters aren't promoting there's, there's uh-huh. I would say, of the second-level promoters in the country, and I'm below top-ranked Golden Boy and below Golden Boy, 95% of them won't promote a show unless they're in a casino. Look around and look and see, and show me where I'm wrong. Show me who's going to, who's going into arenas and renting arenas, and and don't tell me about the Barclays Center, please because they're given away. They're not even promoting in the Barclays Center. They're giving away tickets in the Barclays Center. So nobody's, oh. doing, nobody's doing that. Name me a second-level promoter 
that's doing that. Well, Russell. I know for one, before, before we let you go, Russell, we got to keep it moving. I know there's some Philly fighters that they've also been taken out of Philly and not been fighting in Philly. And I personally feel like if they were with you, you know, and you were building them in Philly, they'd probably be much bigger than what they are today. And it is sad that a lot of these promoters are going to casinos in and, and Seattle and Connecticut, and you got kids like Julian Williams that, you know, he should probably be fighting in Philly. So I, I totally agree with you on that. Um, but, Giandra, I think that we've got to move on. And, Russell, we definitely would love to get you on on our show again, but we need to give you, like, a whole hour segment because <laughs> we could probably just talk to you forever, and everything you said makes so much sense and you have so much experience. So uh, we want to thank you, and we hope that you have a wonderful 2016, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you very much. A pleasure to be here. All right. Thank, thank you, Russell. You. All right. Okay, so we have about 15 minutes Today. Y'all don't know what goes on in the background of planning these shows. It really is a lot of work, and we really hope that you're enjoying the show. I know that I'm enjoying uh, bringing it to you. Am I? Uh, I hope that I'm a little bit clearer now. Can you hear me a little bit better now, Michelle? Yeah, but there's a really like loud noise. I don't know if it was your laptop or computer. It was like a screeching sound. I think it was uh, the phone ringing next to me. My bad. So okay. um, we will that, get that noise out of the sequence. So we have 15 minutes left, and we have a few categories. I'm glad that you touched upon that with Russell about uh, building up kids in their backyard. And I'm going to let you uh, present the award for the Backyard Hero, Boxing Hero of the Year. Perfect segue. Take it away, Michelle, and we'll honor this young man. Absolutely. So, we wanted to give a Backyard Hero Award to a fighter who had the ability to touch their fans and mobilize them. And so we had four nominees. Um, we had Jose Ramirez, Terrence Crawford, Nick Arce, and Daniel Valdivia, I believe is how yes. you pronounce his last name. Um, and our winner, since we don't have a lot of time, we can't elaborate on all of them, but our winner is Jose Ramirez and his whole campaign for fighting for water out of Central California. Wonderful so, young man. A little, wonderful young man. A little bit about what Ramirez is doing. Um, he's a top-ranked fighter, 14-0, 2012 U.S. Olympian, and he has stood up for the fight for water. There's a serious drought in the San Joaquin Valley part of California, and he is the son of an immigrant farmer, actually, so he understands very well more than most people, the desperate situation that his area is facing. So the lack of water over there has cost jobs and has reduced family income significantly. He's attended water bond rallies. Um, he is part of the California Latino Water Coalition, and um, he's really fighting for water. They, they now have cards headlined called the Fight for Water, and it's a bid to help raise awareness for the need of water. And he's putting 13,000 people in seats. And he is beautiful activist out there fighting for a cause. And so we just wanted to salute him and make him our Backyard Hero of 2015. Congratulations. Congratulations, Jose Ramiro. Well-deserved, well-deserved. Uh, we're going to fly through these real quick because I, I know there's a couple callers who really wanted to get their say. Knockout of the year honor, as I mentioned before, we uh, had our guest, 
uh, Gabrielle Bracero versus Danny O'Connor. I will tweet the link, the October 10th, uh, 2015 fight in Lowell, Massachusetts. Great fight. We're just going to fly by those. Uh, fight of the year, Tomoki Kameda versus Jamie McDonald. They fought twice this year on May 9th and September 6th. McDonald won both times by unanimous decision. I enjoyed that fight uh, very much. That is my selection for fight of the year, although there were some great fights. Matisse Krabodnikov was a great fight, and there were our, um, the Marco Huck fight was a great fight. Some great, great fights. Hell, the Areola fight where he went life and death, I think, against Fred Cathy. Even that was a great fight. You know, fight as in fight, not as in the name, just, you know, the mm-hmm. combativeness. That's uh, some of the great selections of the year. Uh, comeback Fighter of the Year. Uh, Michelle, would you like to uh, do the fun, uh, Comeback Fighter of the Year? We'll do it just yeah. a drive-by. Cause comeback, we have a- comeback Fighter, Badu Jack. He beat Anthony, Anthony Durrell in April, and then he beat George Groves in, by split decision in September. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Congratulations, Badu Jack. Boy, you really turned it around. Um, a Shoot. Why don't, okay, we can do, we'll do Fighter of the Year and Most Entertaining Fight Network now because I know these callers want to uh, get their saying before we wrap. Uh, most Entertaining Fight Network of the Year, take it away, Michelle, and then I'll do the Fighter of the Year. Okay, uh, let me find that. Um, I'm sorry, I wasn't ready. Okay, so there's a couple different boxing series that were nominated. We nominated Spike TV, HBO After Dark, and Showbox. Showbox had a lot of really cool young prospects featured, lots of good fights this year. HBO After Dark brought us that Jennings-Ortiz fight that was phenomenal. And Spike TV, they really did stand out, and they are our winner this year. PBC on Spike, they gave us Porter Boone early in the year, Ariola Harper, Khan Algieri, Bartholomew, Shivanov. Excellent fights on Spike TV. They took it icing on the cake. Most entertaining boxing series, PBC on Spike. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And, you know, I'm going to announce the fighter of the year. I don't care if you jump in my mentions. I don't care. You can argue me down if you want to. I'm going to give fighter of the year to none other than the pound for pound king, Floyd Mayweather. And you don't have to agree with me. You don't have to like it. I don't care. But he gets the accolade because he defeated his biggest foe. The foe, you can say, oh, by the time he got to Manny, Manny was watched. It don't matter. Manny signed on a dotted line. That is the fight that fans wanted for years and years and years and years. Whether you like the way the fight went, that's on you. But when you single-handedly dominated the foe that people have been calling for the latter part of your career and you defeat him easily, you deserve the Fighter of the Year award. You know, Gennady Golovkin, an honorable mention, but let's be real. Let's look at the level of opposition compared to Manny Pacquiao. Just on that fight alone, Floyd Mayweather deserves the Fighter of the Year award. So, you know, let the trolling begin. I'm not going to block you. I don't care. Just keep it respectful. Don't talk about me, my mama, my kid. So it's all good. You know what? And just to chime in, if Manny Pacquiao would have beat Floyd Mayweather, Manny would have been Fighter of the Year, Fighter of Last Year, Fighter of Next Year, Fighter of the Decade, Fighter of the Century. He would have been everything. So we cannot take that away from Floyd Mayweather. Maybe we didn't like the fight. Maybe we didn't like that he picked Andre Berto for his fight after, you know, his last fight. But fight of the year, the magnitude and the way that he beat Manny Pacquiao, he definitely got it in my book. Because I would have picked Manny if Manny would have beat Floyd. Yeah, absolutely. 
and really funny where I'm at, there's a guy in this parking lot that looks just like Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., but thinner. Okay, so we have eight minutes left in the show. We're going to pick up a few callers. Callers, we're just going to do a quick drive-by because we want to get as many of you as possible. We only have eight minutes. I'm going to take it for, to the 347, which I know to be Brooklyn. Brooklyn, stand up. What's good? Happy New Year. Many more to you. It's your boy, Mike. What's up? The hey. listener of the year, Mike Money. See, you never disappoint, Mike Money. We're going to do a quick drive-by. What's good? Nothing much. I'm just enjoying the show. Um, um, it was live. Um, many more. I can't wait to 2016 for the Bad Culture Radio Network. I just can't wait. This show was the fire. So, um, you know, I'd like to say thank you so much for you know listening to the year. You know, I gotta support Bad Culture. Y'all put out, y'all put out good work, and you know, keep you know, getting blessings amongst you all. So, many more, uh, many more blessings to you. I can't wait for 2016. Let's get it. All right, Mike Let's Money, thank get you. Get it. We and we gonna get it. We, you think we got some heat now? Wait till 2016. It's on and popping. So no thank doubt. you, Mike Money, and, and uh, we're gonna connect with you to uh, get the shirt out to you and just mm-hmm. keep listening. And we appreciate your support. No problem. All right, take care. I'm gonna pick up. I think I know who this is. It wouldn't be the ruckus without this man, Seven. He ain't even ready. He ain't even ready. Mike Ryan Bivens. Uh, we gonna put <laughs> Ryan back in the queue. He wasn't even ready. So you know, with that, with that being said, why don't we go ahead and start uh, wrapping it up? We got seven minutes. Michelle Rosado, you know, final thoughts for 2015. You know, give it, give it to us off the cuff. Final thoughts for 2015 in boxing. 2015, we saw a lot of changes. We saw. TVC come into our world, and we now have boxing on so many different networks, which is a great thing, which is also a confusing thing. So hopefully next year things can get more consistent. Um, looking forward to big fights, big events. You know, it's always fun to travel when it's definitely when it's fight worthy. Um, you know, I'd love to see more fights in New York and in LA. Would love to travel out there more, but. Overall, I think we had a good year. You know, we, boxing fans, we find a way to complain about everything. But overall, I think it was good. And I think that there are some really great matchups that could be made next year. So that's what I'm wishing for in 2016 is that we just get some of the best fights. All right. I couldn't agree, I couldn't agree with you more. Final thoughts on 2015 and boxing. You know, boxing, we have a lot of work to do, you know, I'm optimistic that we could see some great things. I'm looking forward to seeing what Peter Nelson at the helm of HBO would do. We can uh, bridge some of these gaps and bring some of these uh, warring promotions together to make the best fights. Um, I want to recognize Oscar De La Hoya. Oscar De La Hoya, you did a great job this year. I can't even front. You know, you gave us some really, really great matches, Oscar De La Hoya. You know, people like to troll him for his personal issues, but damn his personal issues. The man said he wanted to make the best fights, and I think across the board, Oscar definitely gave us the most competitive matchups this year, whether you like them or not. They were great, great matchups. In turn, yeah. I will give uh, kudos to Top Rank for further developing guys like Terrence Crawford who can mobilize their fan, their fan base and maximize their fan base, not only with Terrence Crawford in 2015, but you can love or hate Zhu Shiming. He went to Macau with Zhu Shiming 
and millions of people paid attention. So that's pretty mm-hmm. admirable that Top Rank is able to take these guys and like the the young man Ramirez in, in Central in the Central Valley, they can identify these fighters and their fan bases. So kudos to Top Rank for that. Kudos to PBC for giving us frequency. You know, we complain that there's not enough boxing on TV. You said you wanted more boxing on TV. Well, PBC definitely gave you that. So whether you like the matchups and, you know, you cannot down PBC. There were some good matchups during the course of the year that a lot of people tuned in who supposedly said they weren't watching. So kudos to PBC on the frequency. Kudos to the smaller promoters for getting those cards. Russell Pelt, you held Philly down. Philly did a lot of cards. Selling tickets out of his briefcase. You think he's joking? He still got a briefcase, and in Philly, we are selling tickets out of his briefcase, and we are still putting up posters on telephone poles. He is not lying. Okay. And before you know, and on that same note, kudos to you for the Puerto Rican Classic. Nobody even gave you your proper kudos for how instrumental you were to that card. Man, what the hell? Where is my button at? Congratulations, Michelle. Fantastic thing you did there. And and it's uh, it's shameful that people totally bypass what you did, your work on the Puerto Rican Classic. Kudos to you. Kudos to Bam Rogers, Brittany Rogers. Bam, no, I love listening to her. I got to get her on the show one day. Bam, no, I can listen to her all day. I love her voice. Kudos to you. Kudos to Bam. Kudos to Jolene Mazzone. Kudos to Emily Boxing in Arizona. Kudos to you women who, unlike these people on Twitter who, you know, got gangster-ass Twitter fingers, you women are out there doing the work. So kudos to the women in boxing who do not get the credit that they should. I'm very proud of you, and I'm very honored to call you my friend, my co-host, and just to, hell, just to be in your shine. I, I, I love it. Thank you, Jay. We love you, too, and you're doing great work, and I see 2016 being really, really big for you, and and you're being innovative, and that's what's going to set you apart. Thank you. I appreciate it. So with that, we have 90 seconds left to go. I want to thank everyone who tuned into the ruckus this year. Thank you to our angel donors. Thank you to people who shared the podcast. Hell, thank you to people who critiqued the podcast. You know, it makes us better. Thank you to everyone who wrote for Bad Culture. You know, I shouted you out on the top of the show. Thank you to my family who put up with this lunacy for another entire year. Everybody on Twitter, make sure you visit badculture.net. If the spirit moves you, click the donate box on badculture.net. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. I have big, big, big things in store for the new year. And with your help, I can get there. So I appreciate everyone. And uh, we'll be back next week. We're not taking no time off. And uh, Bread and Red is coming back up. We, You know, we got a lot of stuff to do. So with that, have a wonderful, safe new year. Take an Uber or something if you're out there driving. I don't want to see any heartbreaking stories. Everybody be safe tonight. We love you to death. Happy 2016, and we'll be back next year. We out.